Hello and welcome to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chappell. On today's show, we'll be talking about the latest hotness, the London Mulligan, and then a discussion of the Hazard Serious Invitational, including tips on how to host your own Invitational Magic Tournament. Yeah, we're here with uh, Matt Hazard this weekend, and Matt Hazard is a uh, Columbus player who's been around the game for a long time, and I think is probably the most dedicated and enthusiastic vintage player that I know. He is he is always down to play some games. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks. Brought you on today to talk about the recent Hazard Serious Invitational, which is normally a celebration of your birthday in February. But before we get into that, I actually want to talk a little bit about the London Mulligan, because I think we can all have a great time speculating about what this means for vintage. And I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I think it's interesting. And I think a lot of people are going to be curious how it's going to work. So... Does anyone want to start or should I just, just kick right into it? You go, man. You're doing right. great. Yeah, fantastic. So <laughs> Wizards has proposed this new London Mulligan, which is everyone's calling it because it's going to debut at the Mythic Championship 2 in London. The new rule is essentially that when you mulligan for the nth time, you draw seven cards, then put N cards on the bottom of your library in any order. So if you are mulliganing for your third time, you're going to draw seven cards, look at all seven, and then put three of them on the bottom of your library in any order. So you get to pick the best cards of your seven. You get to sort of sculpt a hand a little bit more. My take on this, and we have experimented with the rule a little bit in vintage and middle school and whatever pickup games we've been playing. My take on this is still that you don't want to mulligan. Like you still want to avoid mulliganing. <laughs> My first impression of it was that it seems like it would be really good in vintage where you have decks that are really just looking to assemble just a few cards and like dumping other cards in your hand as long as you get those cards wouldn't matter a whole lot the big question there is does it make mulliganing aggressively actually a good strategy my guess is that the, the answer is probably still no right because very quickly you're just going to be shooting yourself in the foot right like at a certain point you actually will have to play a game where you don't get the things that you need and you're just going to be out of it right and the big concern is that once you get down to you know if you're mulliganing to five or four or three cards or whatever like you are still just less likely to have the threats and answers you need right if you're playing a combo deck or whatever and you put together this great four card hand that does amazing thing on turn one either your opponent has force of will or fluster storm or whatever like that's still it. Like you still just wasted all your cards to do that and you're done. Like, yeah, you have expended that mulligan and it's your, your game is basically over. Do you think that it's better than the current mulligan rules? Like more balanced makes for more interesting games. I think that the big thing is just perception of games, right? Like you mm. need to feel good about participating in the game. And this helps that <laughs> because, hey, I kept a hand that did something. My opponent had the answer, but at least I kept a hand that made me feel like I was playing. What format are they testing this with in London? It's limited, and then they do standard and also modern. And I think they're looking at modern as being the big test because that's where it has more potential to be 
abused if you're going to do something abuseful. It seems like the abuse there comes in. It's the, the question of the gap between your weakest card and your strongest card. Sure. And that's going to widen the older the format that you get. It seems like as far as doing this in standard, it's exactly a question of does this feel like you get a better feel out of the game than the old one? Right. There doesn't seem to be any, maybe some potential for abuse, but really not yeah. as much. Or maybe that's just me because I don't play standard and I don't care about standard. <laughs> well, what's So Hazard, you play a lot of combo decks and weird wacky brews a lot of times. Like what's what's your take on this? Have you had any thoughts about it? Have you tried it? I have not tried it, so all I can do is speculate baselessly. Excellent. That's what, That's what we're, we're here for. for. <laughs> awesome. so I would think that in the Eternal formats, that it's just got to be a little more broken than in the other formats. Sure. The deck that I was playing at the HSI, there were, you know, eight cards that I really wanted to see and be able to play on turn one. Okay. To be able to mulligan until I had, you know, even if it was five or four cards i get to choose those out of seven that seems kind of ridiculous yeah sure you are definitely going to get better mulligans with this strategy like no doubt yeah and i just think when you're trying to do one little thing it's just going to help out a lot more in the eternal formats you're right i mean especially if you can maximize your chances to do that one thing like that's already good they do have an addendum to the explanation specifically talking about serum powder because everyone was sort of curious about how dredge was going to work when you're only looking for bizarre and you have serum powders and i'm reading from the website here as noted in the official rules for the mulligan putting cards from your hand on the bottom of your library is the last step of completing the mulligan before deciding whether to keep or take another mulligan at the point where serum powder checks whether you could mulligan the number of cards in your hand will already have been reduced by one for each previous mulligan you have taken. So if you mulligan twice, then the third set of seven cards that you see contains a serum powder. You'll first have to put two cards from your hand on the bottom of your library. Then, assuming you kept the serum powder in that hand, you can choose to exile and draw five new cards, mulligan again, or keep your new hand. That's interesting. Yeah, so you're looking at the reduced hand with serum powder. Your serum powder isn't going to show you a full seven cards every time. You're just going to look at however many you've mulliganed. If you mulligan after you take your serum powder five, you're going back up to seven, right? If you mulligan after you take your serum powder five, yes. You look at seven and then you're going to keep four. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Huh. That's a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think uh, people were talking about how someone did the calculations on this and it increases your chances of finding bizarre, for example, from 95% to 99%. So that sounds about right. You were already really likely to find bizarre. And now you're just really, really likely to find bizarre. I assume that that's the numbers with the London Mulligan rule and serum powder. How would that compare to the the London Mulligan rule without serum powder? If you're just looking for one card. Uh, That I don't know. But that's an interesting question. My guess is that it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's already still pretty good. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I hadn't thought about that. Like essentially, does this just make serum powder unnecessary? Yeah. If you're trying to construct one card, two card combo, is it better just to have a more threat dense deck that cards that do something? Well, it makes a big difference. Uh, if you're only looking for bizarre and that's the only card you care about. And in even having cards, not in your hand doesn't matter. <laughs> like it matters mm-hmm. a lot more if you need a card and other cards to do stuff with. Indeed. I mean, like with workshops, your hand is really good if you have a Mishra's Workshop in it, but 
you need other cards with it. It's not like you can just go get Misha's Workshop. and. That I mean, you can roll that and see how it goes. You can. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, we actually talked about using this mulligan rule at the Hazard Serious Invitational and decided not to, which is okay. It's probably good that we didn't try and confuse anyone while they were drinking on how this mulligan rule was going to work. But Hazard, happy birthday. I know it's a little belated, but we had a great party for your birthday. And, you know, thanks for letting us all be over at your house for an entire day. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty great to uh, have that many people come out and just have a good time. Yeah. How many did we end up with? Uh, We had 29 players, which uh, that's quite a few for a tournament in a house. That's five rounds, right? Yeah, we did have five rounds and then an extra round and then top eight. So there was a ton of magic being played. Um, And there was a lot of middle school in between rounds. Yeah, we should have probably just done five in a top eight, given the state (laughs) of inebriation of some of the top eight members. Was that a decision that was made um, at the very beginning or after the fifth round? Did you decide to do another round? All the decisions were made at the beginning because I like to play magic and I don't get to play that much. And it's a good reason. And obviously you can set your tournament parameters however yeah, you want. Yeah. Although, you know, I have no proof that we played six rounds because my notes only have five rounds. <laughs> I didn't even bother trying to take notes. Mm. So you had 29 people and you had eight players in the basement where we had the streaming set up and you must have had... 20 on the ground floor. Yeah. Between the living room, the dining room, the kitchen. Yep. Yeah. That's like the biggest consideration for hosting an event like this at a house is like, where are we going to put all these games? Playing surfaces and butts. Yeah, you got to figure out where they're all going. So you brought in some extra tables and games were going on at your kitchen island. You have some long tables. We had a long table in the basement. And you brought a table and a couple of chairs for the feature match, which uh, looked like the stream came out well. Is Jimmy working on that right now? Theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't talked to him. I, I have heard that he has downloaded the uh, stream footage and is working furiously to get that worked up. Yeah, I, I feel like Jimmy kept interviewing me for like 30 minutes and kept like trying to lead me on to talk about people. I might have. I don't really remember the interview. So I'm excited to find out. Which is great because I never got interviewed. <laughs> was Jimmy trying to interview everyone on site? His plan was, he was. he's, he's going to get an intro from every person. Then he's going to edit the raw footage of the stream and cut it up into rounds and put it on YouTube. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. I suspect we never see it again. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> I tried to not dissuade him because if anyone can do this, it's Jimmy. And I have utmost confidence in the Lord of all cats. It seems fair. But Hazard, you know, what else? We kind of brought you on to talk about how did the Hazard Serious Invitational come about and what do you do leading up to it to try and make it good. Tell, tell us about the, the setup for this tournament. Did you get everything that Therese said? No, no, we did not. She said she's a fabulous wife, and she decided to throw a surprise birthday party for me and a tournament uh, four years ago. So this is the fourth year we've had it, and now it's an annual event. Yeah, that's right. I remember when she contacted me, and she was like, hey, I want to throw this party for Matt for his birthday. And I was like, it, it was like <laughs> two weeks before. And I was like, yeah, we can do that. So I remember contacting a bunch of people in semi-secrecy. I mean, I don't know how much you knew about it at that point. Like, were you aware that this was going to happen? I did not know anything until just before that first one. No kidding. Man, I did a good job. 
Yeah, it was it was great. So Teresa and I talked to a bunch of people and we're like, hey, can we just get a bunch of people to come and you know, everybody bring a prize. We're not gonna have tournament entry. Everyone just bring a prize and at the end of the tournament we'll draft based on ranking and kind of get a prize that is commensurate with your um finish with your position in the rank yeah that's interesting you had a tournament that you didn't know about so what did you play in that tournament uh i think i found out the day or two beforehand yeah. oh nice i had time to throw something together so it wasn't completely surprised that day oh okay i was gonna check how many did, um the first year i don't know yeah how many do we have uh Tuan. hazard rotational one we had 16 players okay i think last year we had 24 i'm not sure about two hazard rotational two in 2017 we had 24 three was also 24 16 24 24 29 all right tree says we got to buy a bigger house don't do it it's more to clean yeah <laughs> it's just helping us clean our basement more and more that's all it's helping yeah yeah i mean it's kind of cool having all you guys fly in from all over the country and drive in and Therese knows everybody and likes seeing them all it's uh it's a good time so talk about what you played because i remember i think it was round one and i think you were sitting next to me and you're like hey check out my sideboard and i was like i don't know what that card does <laughs> i had a singleton Partic Miner in there because i don't know what that card does <laughs> it's uh one and a red and i think it's a one one creature you can sacrifice it and if you sacrifice it target player cannot play a land this turn i had that in my sideboard as a a card just in case for some dredge it, it wouldn't help much turn one but it would get rid of the bridges oh interesting sure and you know sometimes you just need to put a card in your sideboard that's fun and I think that's the cheapest casting cost card I could find that denied your opponent a land drop because there's uh, there's an instant. I think it's Sulfatura. That's uh, like two and a red, and it says your opponent can't play land this turn. But obviously we're in a format where people get their mana from places other than land. But Right, right. Yeah, I ran one of those in my sideboard just for the heck of it. <laughs> well, you were playing a lot of uh, mana denial. I played against you, I think, in round three, and you had Blood Moons and uh, Magus of the Moon and All Rods too. Yep, like you were, you were, you were very hateful. Four Blood Moons, four Magus of the Moon, four Null Rod, Chalice, and a Sorcerer Spyglass all main deck. Wow, and then uh, a bunch of beaters on top of that. Some unconventional ones. I had four Blood Rage Brawlers. He costs one and a red, and it's a four three. Uh, when it hits the battlefield, you have to discard a card. Oh, okay, sure. And then the other four beaters that I had that went with that, well, I also had three Phyrexian Revokers, but I also had four Lupine Prototypes, which I think that's a 5-5 five, five artifact for two. It can only attack if a player has no cards in hand. Oh, okay. Which wasn't hard for my deck to do, and the Blood Ridge Brawlers helped that, Oh, obviously. Sure. All right. But it was a 5-5 five, five for two, and the other was a 4-3 for two. And so it was a little bit more aggressive. And then you could also beat with the yeah. Magus of the Moon, of course, for Axian Revokers. But so how, how did you end up finishing? I think I was 3-2 going in the sixth round, and then I kind of helped Alex out. Oh, okay, sure. So I think it was all right. Yeah, no, it, it seemed good. I mean, it seemed like you were doing your mana denial plan seemed like it was working. That seemed fun and good. Like The fact that I don't have notes on one of those rounds, either four or five, is kind of bad. So that might have that might have been a, 
a feature in my finish. Oh, I see. So when you said uh, that you, you helped Alex out, I know we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but can you tell that story again? Because I think it does a great job <laughs> of encapsulating the spirit of the Invitational. Yeah. So Alex is a, a friend of mine who played Magic back in the day. He doesn't get to play much anymore, but he comes out every year. Uh, the last three years to these and, and plays. I think he played the last, the same deck this year that he proxied last year, played no deck. But I think it was his very yeah. first turn. He played the wrong land and he mentioned at the end of his turn. And I was like, well, Alex, there's a couple ways we can fix this. The first way is you and I go into the <laughs> kitchen and do a shot and come back and you play the correct land. Or you can just leave it as is and leave the wrong land out there. So naturally, we went into the kitchen and did a shot and came back. What did you do a shot of? I don't recall. This was round six. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, just wondering. Round six. I have no idea. I'll ask Alex next time I see him. I like the Alex story. I remember I reintroduced myself to Alex at this event because I, I know I had played against him in a previous event. And as far as I know, he has played Magic three times in his life. And it's only these <laughs> tournaments. But obviously, he has played before. And... I think it's awesome that he made top eight this time. Like he's a super nice guy and like he always seems like he's having a good time. He does. And he does have a good time. So what are the other uh, challenges of hosting an event like this? I mean, this time, I mean, you, we've kept with it as far as doing, you know, donated prizes. And I know that those have gotten more elaborate. I know Ben Perry always does a weird Ben Perry experience sort of mystery box sort of thing. And this time I mimicked that with my own suitcase. So. Yes. yes, you did. The donated <laughs> prizes have worked out well. It's kind of like give what you feel as far as your donated prize. I know we've got quite a spectrum of uh, of incomes among people coming. Sure. But it seems like people are really generous as far as that goes, donating stuff. Yeah. We keep the food kind of informal too, the, uh, the pizza shop right <laughs> down the alley. We just have people throw money into a bowl. I don't know who cares cash anymore. Four folks, was it four? Four different folks PayPal'd money because nobody carries cash these days. Oh, yeah. But me and the two Kevins walked down there and came back with this giant box. We got 15 pizzas, and it turned out that was just enough. <laughs> 15 pizzas for like 30 <laughs> people? It was great. Yeah, yeah, it worked out just right. There was pizza for a round or two, and by the end of the thing, it was all gone. And then after the Swiss rounds, we went back and got sandwiches for people as well. Yeah. So that was Donato's, which is like sort of a local Columbus institution. They're, they're a chain anyway. Did they give us a discount any, or anything on pizzas? I was just wondering. I think there was something, some sort of discount. Yeah, for some bulk order there. pizza. It was, it was the biggest pizza bill I ever signed for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always feel like the uh, getting food delivered is a pretty good idea, especially when people are you know, consuming alcohol and playing magic for a long time. It's like you kind of got to fortify people. Yeah. My wife had had it delivered, but it was taking too long. And I'm like, dudes are hungry. So we canceled mm. delivery and walked down and got it because it is a block away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no excuse for them to take so long to deliver. So sorry, driver. Well, I know that at Jeff's tournaments at his house, we usually get it's either Jimmy John's or Chipotle ordered in. Yeah. We'll usually get something for lunch, usually Jimmy John's, and then for dinner, we'll have someone go and pick up an order of Chipotle. Basically, like I think we've talked about it before, but 
everyone is way too hammered to actually assemble them <laughs> to go anywhere. Right. So it's really important to bring the food to them if right. you want anything to work out right. Yeah. I think the other thing that we've done at your place is grill, right? Like that was that was a mid round. Oh right? yeah, we did that last time, and mm-hmm. that was that was a pretty significant undertaking. But I think it worked out really well because it was cool that I mean we had a bunch of things that we had to grill, but then people also brought things that they wanted to grill as well, and it was a really good you know communal grilling experience, and everyone got fed really well. It, that was that was pretty great. Would do again. We had one of those in the in the summer, right? So that was obviously it's already nice to be outside and like be able to get away from the crowd a little bit and grill. So right, we were just cold enough outside to use the back porch as a refrigerator. Yeah, and that's helpful because so everyone brings their own alcohol too, right? Like that's yeah. I'm, I'm sure you you get some stuff for yourself, but it's not really like you're supplying everyone with booze they need to no god i couldn't do that you kidding me (laughs) right well right yeah yeah people just bring what they're having and uh if there's leftover i throw it in the basement bring it out next year nice well there's certain stuff like trace went and got two big things of jaeger along with red bulls and i don't know if we're slacking or what we didn't get to them so we've, we don't have to buy those next year. We got them. They're here. I think Nam also showed up with huge things of Red Bulls and or, uh, Jaegers. And I think that those are gone. <laughs> do not doubt yeah. that. <laughs> Did we not drink enough Jaeger? Like... Yeah. Some people also showed up with like an actual traveling bar. Oh, yeah, right. for sure. That's good, though, because I mean, I, I think that what we saw during the first TSI that we held at my house was that um, people didn't bring booze and they drank all my booze and that <laughs> kind of sucked. Yeah. So we've tried to avoid that from that point. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, we end up going through a lot because there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, on stream rituals where it's like, hey, we're on stream. I guess we have to do a shot or, hey, I know your name. We have to do a shot or, hey, that's a cool card. We have to do a shot or, <laughs> I mean... There's a lot of... um... If you or your friends are having problems with alcoholism, know that there are people that can help. It's only a phone call away. I mean, honestly, we shouldn't joke about it because... (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was serious. Yeah, 100% serious. But yeah, I mean, we end up going through... I know that Jaeger bombs are kind of a thing for our team. We call them yang times or now nom times and i'm sure that jerry is pleased to have escaped that title jerry hates us and then there's the the new thing this time was um malort and grapefruit white claw which wow we're uh we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as things that people will drink right you didn't even have to name the second thing you could have just said malort and blah, blah, <laughs> yeah it blah. all just tastes like malort I, I did hear someone talking about spiced hams what's Oh, the spiced ham. So dressed hams. Yeah. Oh, they they were calling them dressed hams, but obviously they're spiced hams because I mean that's hilarious. But what is it? So it's a it's a can of hams. Hams being the you know cheap beer from the land of sky blue waters. Sometimes known to actually sponsor team series events. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. So a spiced ham is a or dressed hams rather is a hams that has been dipped in hot sauce and what's the like the chili lime spice rub basically that goes around the rim. So it's like chili hams. I don't know. I did not have high hopes and I would say that it is pretty delicious. It goes together well. I was pleasantly surprised. It it was even an attractive presentation. Like I was okay with it. 
It was Valentina Salsa Picante. That's what we used. <laughs> I mean, that's, I have a picture of a dressed ham that, that we can include in this. So, Is it dramatically lit enough? Like, it's got to be beautiful, right? Like, is it... <laughs> Have you ever heard of a pressed ham? That's the photo you're actually getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so there's... There's lots of things that we drink, and um, I think one of our biggest scores this time was being able to talk to the Land Grant Brewery in Columbus and get them to donate beer to our fun event. Yeah, Cup. Tell us about that. Yeah, so (laughs) um, uh, I guess I have a track record, a history. We've gotten a lot of swag, but not beer, from hams. They're a little corporate. Montucky, who is kind of a cheaper beer brand that donates a bunch of money to the outdoors um, in Montana. They, um, I had one of these tournaments at my house last summer. I sent them an email and they gave us three and a half cases of beer. They were going to give us three cases of beer, but we met them in a parking lot while we were rafting down a river. And the lady was like, here's another half case for the river. Nice. So this time... I sent an email to Land Grant in Columbus. Um, they have some pretty tasty sounding beers on their website, and I was not sure if they were familiar with the card Land Grant. So I sent them an email. It turns out that they were very interested in giving us beer. They did not know that Land Grant was a magic card, but apparently they have some folks that work there that do play magic. So we offered to give them a Land Grant for their trophy case if they would give us beer and they happily agreed. So <laughs> I think Nam donated a foil land grant because it's going to the trophy case. It's in the trophy case. We have pictures. Yep. So we showed up there and uh, got our 48 free beers of various flavors. And we exchanged that for a foil land grant. And it sounds like there's going to be some sort of ongoing relationship there with magic team serious and land grant so yeah i hope so uh so they gave us uh six or seven different kinds of beer all of which were delicious but i emailed them after the event and said you know hey thanks for helping us have a great time your beer was great like we would love to work with you in the future and i told them that the previous weekend sort of a team serious and cleveland rocks collaboration put on an old school event at bottle house in lakewood which we mentioned on previous podcast that event went really well and i was saying you know we ended up donating seventeen hundred dollars to providence house in cleveland would land grant be interested in helping us do a similar thing in columbus where we would have a charity tournament and they would have a captive audience of drinkers and could sell us beer while we play magic the woman at land grant said you know that's great i love that you guys also give back to the community uh we'd be super interested in helping out so basically at this time i'm trying to figure out a date and a format for this magic tournament and we'll pick a charity and do a similar thing where we can give the bulk of the entry and prize money to a charity probably do some raffles and have a great time hanging out and land grant also agreed to donate 20 percent of their take on the day to the same charity so i mean this sort of idea sounds great for magic yeah i think it's really great to partner up with businesses in the area that are really like-minded about getting together with people having fun you know supporting a good cause it seems like those are the partners that we want to find and sort of grow that relationship with because 
Right. And actually, for local events, obviously, we do some of these at people's houses and things like that. But even even local events, like it's, uh, I was really pleased that we did the actual charity donation. I think that's great. There's a lot of giving power behind the magic community that I think, you know, can be tapped into for these sorts of things. And it it really does make everyone involved feel good about themselves. It also takes the pressure off of uh like going back to hazard serious invitational being strictly a donated prize kind of thing i know that i've certainly said it before the most stressful thing in the end about setting up a tournament is trying to get like a decent prize structure right you have to have a pretty good projection on how many people are coming what you're going to be charging for entry fees and then sort of figure out how to build a, a reasonable structure out of that that rewards top eight reasonably but doesn't waste everyone else's time and sort of going to a donated price structure really sort of flattens that thing out and makes it so everyone has a better time i think so i'm, yeah. I'm really i think that this is really the the brave new world of of how to make a rewarding tournament for everyone yeah and i think actually for i'll, I'll say for myself anyway like i always feel like i already have enough stuff like i don't need yeah. to win more cards like Obviously, it's it's great when you, you know, enter a tournament and win the big prize or whatever. But like, there's a lot of times where it's like, I don't, I don't need to do this for, for, <laughs> for winning. I'm, yeah. I'm obviously not trying to win anymore. So <laughs> good thing. Not yeah, gonna. It, it is good. <laughs> yeah, it is good. Yeah, I, I would say if you're interested in putting on an event and partnering with a business like Land Grant or, you know, wherever you live, you probably have a brewery. And they probably have a contact us section on their website and you could just send them a message. Uh, a lot right. of that starts with a two sentence email. What was your philosophy? Don't ask, don't get. Yeah, so. exactly. I, I wanted to mention that because yeah. you've opened up a lot of doors as far as these things, just because, you know, like just reach out. Businesses are actually pretty receptive and they like to be involved in the community. So they get something out of this as well. Yeah. They have a product to sell and they want people to be aware of it. Right. And the only company that has never responded to a request has been the company that owns Fernet, but I think they're like based in the EU somewhere. So that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess speaking of not trying to win tournaments anymore, I, uh, I went ahead and played turn one tendrils at this event and went two and four. How many times did you turn one tendrils? Uh, honestly, I don't remember. I didn't take any notes and I went off a couple of times and it was great. Went off as in like had a temper tantrum about how your deck wasn't performing or? No, I had no expectations about this deck going in. Oh, okay. Actually, I mean, I, I really enjoy playing the deck and it's fun to goldfish. I don't feel like my hands were very good in the tournament and I probably wasn't playing them as aggressively as I needed to. I think that's actually the big downfall of that deck for me. Didn't you write the be aggressive thread on the mana drain? Yeah, but that was about Belcher and Belcher's way easier to be aggressive with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, I didn't do very well. Uh, I Like I mentioned earlier, I ran into Hazard in round three and he had blood moons for my four total non-basic lands and um, null rods for my thousands of artifacts. So I wasn't doing anything against him. Our good friend Randall was playing a deck completely based around cards with Predator in the name, and I was able to <laughs> beat him. He showed me that he had Force of Wills and Mana Drains in his sideboard, 
and just opted not to bring them in. <laughs> so I don't know that I deserve <laughs> that win either. <laughs> so that was good. Uh, I won that round. I think I beat Dredge. I think that was my other win. I don't remember, honestly. I wasn't even drinking all that much. It was just that like my rounds were very short and my heart wasn't in it, honestly. <laughs> it was like it was fine. Cool. It was fun. I had a good time. I played a lot of magic and talked to a lot of people. So winning was not priority number one. But I'll put a picture of the deck list up if you want to see it, because um that's what we do now. Cup, how did your day go? So my day went uh I, I tied your record uh um, nice. at two and four. It's a good thing we have a podcast so we can, you know, talk about how to win at magic. These are the strategies that people want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I play I played a semi real deck. I played bug. It's not a real deck. Bug. Have we ever talked about bug on this podcast before? We've never no. talked about bug. We should get some people on to talk about bug. Okay. But really it's like it's just what I like to play. So like yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna have fun and this is what I like playing, so I'm just gonna play it. And really the only deck I could beat all day was Dredge. I played Dredge twice. I won both times, and I couldn't beat anyone else. Well, good thing they weren't using the uh, London Mulligan, because you probably wouldn't have beaten them. Mm. Yeah, my hands were pretty good, and uh, (laughs) I don't know. You you played the appropriate amount of hate for Dredge and did the thing against Dredge. Yeah, I beat Charles, and I mean, he's a pretty... uh, He knows what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. I could have won a game i don't know if it was game two or three against frank things get a little fuzzy but he was at two life and i had a death right in play and i targeted a card in his graveyard and every instant or sorcery he could interact with so it would fizzle my death right trigger so nice. i would have won that game had i targeted a card in my own graveyard oh well live and learn but i mean you know just like you i was there to have a good time i had a good time i wasn't there to win anything i was there to see a bunch of friends yeah and I accomplished all my goals. I feel like because of the prize structure, you can definitely go into that and like, you're still going to come away with something uh, fun and entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, we didn't really do prizes because everything went so late. So we kind of figured it out in the morning. Yeah. But I think Jimmy brought, my prize was to Judge Foil Lord of Atlantis, I think. Nice. Which is like a pretty good prize yeah, for going those... two and four in a tournament. Yeah, that's awesome. Good job. <laughs> yeah. what prize did you donate to the pool i donated a cocktail book by a bartender who owns several bars in new york called southern teague okay and a bitter dale degroff's pimento bitters which goes in one or two of the cocktails in the book oh nice and one magic card that was hidden any guesses at what that magic card was uh i think i heard earlier but was it should i should i go ahead and guess Was it hidden gibbons it was not. It was Ashnod's coupon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's on theme. Doesn't work in Rhode Island. So I hope it didn't go to Brassman. <laughs> it did not. I think I think Medium Steve took it. Yeah, yeah. But what I really want to know is uh, about your prize, Matt. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a couple years ago. Uh, actually, it must have been last year. Ben Perry put in a, a mystery box of sorts, and you got to open the box, and you had a choice of what your fate was. And I thought that was pretty cool. So this year... I just put in a mystery box that you did not get to choose anything, but it was just filled with um, crap. So, <laughs> so um, I bought a suitcase at Goodwill. Obviously, it was an—I'll just say it—it it was an old lady's suitcase, and um, 
very much smelled of rose petals. <laughs> um, and, and when I brought it home and opened it, it had like a shower cap and a toothbrush and some Tylenol already in it, which I left. <laughs> So I put in some other stuff. So I have a old Pojo's magic strategy guide that I left in or put in and a, um, a children's book of stories of magic and wonder. And then a bottle of the cheapest vodka I could find an old wizards of the coast puzzle that I also happened to find at Goodwill. Oh, neat. Huh. Yeah. Some wizards of the coast sunglasses, a red rubber clown nose that squeaks when you honk it. And and who ended up going away with the mystery suitcase? Poor Nam. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I don't know that he drafted that suitcase because <laughs> I don't know that he was able to at the time. But he got it. There was also a um, a helm of obedience in the case in the uh, tucked in the book. So he got that. That was that was the main prize. But most of it was just the experience of opening it. That lucky guy. Oh, I should add that I I put a. A piece of paper in there that said confidential and top secret across the top and then it had a manifest of all the stuff that was in the case and had a little story about how you were supposed to use the contents of the case to coerce the local leadership into following your rule the card that was tucked in the book was the helm of obedience that was the that was the mesmertron that you were using a little throwback to syndicate there um yeah, anyway, so that was in there. It was funny that it was Helm of Obedience that I put in the case because the prize that I received was a Helm of Obedience and Leyline of the Void. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think I actually came away ahead on this whole deal. Impressive. Yeah, so that's that's what you get for going two and four. So Jayco won, but he, I think he was very motivated by the prize. So when Randall brought in his prize... Before the tournament even started, Jayco just said, you could just put that straight in my car if you'd like a little little Babe Ruth. <laughs> he called a shot. But Randall's prize was a, uh, a movie poster of Predator surrounded by all magic cards, I think with the name Predator in yes. the card name. Yep, Predator Flagship, Kavu Predator, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so yeah, there were, there were a surprising number of cards there. Yeah, actually there were, there were a decent number of cards on that and uh, it looked pretty cool. JK was playing four color paradoxical. Apparently that was the deck that took it down. I think that's Jayco's first win, right? Or did he win at one of yours? He, uh, he won at my house. So oh. the TSI I had last year, Okay. you know, like we were talking about with hazard, your house, your rules, right? So yeah. it's a, it's a bigger ask to get folks to fly to Colorado. So I think we had eight people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we just played round Robin. Nice. We played seven rounds of magic in like five hours. Yeah, awesome. Jacob played in his underwear on the porch in the sun. Got a sweet sunburn. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> uh, man, mistakes are made at these tournaments, let me tell you. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, so Jacob won with Four Color Paradoxical. I don't know that we have a complete top eight in hand. Will there ever be a complete top eight? Was there anybody actually sober enough to document this? Yeah, we're we're going to get one together. I will make sure I link it in the write-up. I mean... That's not what you're here for anyway, right? To listen to me rattle off the top eight. But (laughs) all in all, a great event. I find that the invitational events that we do are just a lot of fun. They're they're always a great time to get together and just hang out with people. And drink. And and drink. Although I will note that it's helpful to have someone who is not drinking, or at least not drinking as much, (laughs) to, to help manage things. 
Was that lacking at hazards or? No, I just wasn't really paying attention to the tournament much. I was just curious. Yeah, no, I I think everything went well. And at at 10 o'clock, I rounded up a car full of people and we went to karaoke. We, I don't even think we were there for the beginning of top eight or maybe it had already started. Did the Pokemon theme make an appearance? Uh, it did not. It was a lot of fun. Uh, that place is pretty crazy. It was it was packed. Everyone was really hyped on karaoke. So ate some pierogies and sang a bunch of songs really loudly. And yeah, it was great. Highly recommend playing a magic tournament at someone's house and then going to karaoke afterwards. Words to live by. Yeah, absolutely. It's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chapel. And we were joined until recently by Matt Hazard, but he has an earlier bedtime, so he had to depart. But all of us still wish that you will join us next time for more Serious Vintage. Take a little trip. Jerry hates us.